Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. From our trip we just got back from South Asia, if you're interested in going, the Lord is speaking to you about that trip, great need there. Come talk to me. Come talk to Randy Presley. We'll be going again spring break. That trip is full. We'll be going summer. We'll also be going back in the fall. People are already signed up for the fall. So if you want to go, you need to talk to us as soon as possible, okay? Let me pray for us. We're going to begin. Father, we love you and serve you, and thank you for what you're doing here. Thank you for what you're doing around the world, Lord. Thank you for a great time of worship and praise this morning. I want to just continue that idea of worship now into the truth of your word. Lord, I pray you'd speak very clearly to us. I pray that your name would be glorified. I pray that through the power of the Spirit, we would be transformed more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray, amen. Take your Bibles, open to Genesis chapter 35. Genesis 35. I want to again thank Jason last week for preaching for me. He did a really nice job. I listened to it on podcast, which is always good. Exciting for me to hear how he spoke through and worked through that text in Genesis chapter 33. I was away at our marriage conference. And let me just encourage you, those that maybe weren't aware of it or didn't go last time or... or Maybe we're thinking about going next time. We'll do this again next year. Let me just be clear. The marriage conference is not for people that are just struggling in their marriage. And some may be, but we don't ask that question. I went. Randy went. Many people of our church went because any marriage can be better, right? We can always do a better job of living for Christ in the midst of our home. And so I just want to encourage you, if you didn't go this year, we'll go again next year. Maybe you want to be a part of that as we go back. But again, thank you, Jason. We're preaching. I want to review now very quickly where we are and then move us forward very quickly. We've been talking about Jacob. We've seen the life of Jacob. We've been working through Genesis and we saw when Jacob lived with Laban and the struggles he had. And so we've worked through now he, him leaving. A couple of weeks ago, we saw that the Lord had spoken to him and the Lord asked him to trust him, but Jacob still failed to trust the Lord. He failed to seek the will's Lord. That failure of trust led him to fear. Last week we studied, Jason led us through the portion of scripture where we talked about Jacob wrestling with the Lord and this process of of trusting the Lord more and seeking the Lord more and eventually building an altar in which he named it the, the God of Israel, right? This is now my God, it's the God of Abraham and Jacob and up until this point in Genesis 33, he hasn't called it the God of Israel. Now we're to this place where Jacob seems to be trusting the Lord and wanting to follow the Lord and great things are happening. Now I want to do something. You need to stay with me, okay? I'm going to skip chapter 34 for just a minute. We're going to begin in chapter 35 and I'm going to get back to that in a second, okay? Jason finished with Genesis 33 last week. I'm skipping 34 for a second. I'm going to begin in Genesis 35 verse 1. We're going to read one verse, begin to walk through that, and that'll tie us into 34. So Genesis chapter 35 Verse 1. It's on the screen as well. Then God said to Jacob, Go up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. Now I'm going to give you point number one, then we're going to spend just a couple of minutes unpacking that. Number one, God, here's the first truth God is calling Jacob to spiritual renewal. God is calling Jacob to spiritual renewal. Now, those of you that have been with us the last few weeks are probably asking yourself a question wait a minute. 
You say, I left here last Sunday morning. We just finished up with Genesis 33. God had done a great work in Jacob's life and his heart. Jacob had built this altar. He was trusting the Lord. It seemed as if Jacob was on the right path. And that's correct. That's exactly what it seemed. That's exactly what took place. But what happened between last week and this week is Genesis chapter 34. Now, being very transparent with you, I spent about the first half of the week studying through Genesis 34 and actually preparing a sermon in Genesis 34. And I kind of got to this point as I I spent so much time studying it and kind of thinking through it and praying through it, I I began to realize, you know, instead of preaching through this chapter, I want to summarize it. I'm going to do this for one very simple reason. There are a lot of very difficult chapters in Genesis. We've seen several accounts Several instances of very bad things that have happened. But of all the bad chapters, 34 may be one of the worst. In fact, 34 is one of the very few chapters. And you can go back and read it on your own later if you'd like. But Genesis 34 is one of the very few chapters in all the Bible that God has not mentioned one time. He's not mentioned by name. He's not referenced. There's no, there's no account in Genesis 34 that mentions the Lord. And so I'm going to summarize it for you. And here's what you need to understand. This is very important. In chapter 34, it takes a decade. So the end of 33 until we begin in 35-1 this morning, that's 10 years. And a lot has happened in 10 years. Here's the summary of chapter 34. Dinah, who's the daughter of Jacob and Leah wanders off into town she does something she shouldn't do and again you can read through all this if you want to she goes to this place she shouldn't go to a young prince sees her likes her and violates her that's all i'm going to say about that it's a horrific scene it's it's brutal it's sinful he sinned he did something he shouldn't have done and her father finds out and he fails to lead his family this is jacob Her brothers find out, and instead of being godly in the way they responded in seeking the Lord, they respond in rage. And so they basically trick this young man, they trick his father who's the king, they trick the people of the city, and while these people are kind of sleeping and recovering, again, you can read it on your your own if you like, they literally sneak into the town. Now, these are the beginnings of the 12 tribes of Israel. These men sneak into the town and slaughter all the men. They kill every one of them. They kill the men, they steal all the treasure, they take all the women and the children as slaves. It's just kind of a a horrific scene. And as I studied through it, and I tried to think through the truth, the thing I kept coming back to was was sin leads to death. And so we've got this whole decade, this is 10 years after Jacob builds this idol and calls the Lord his God, we've got 10 years of failure and sinfulness, and we're to this point now in Genesis chapter 35 where the Lord is going to call Jacob back to this idea of spiritual renewal. Now here's where this application kind of hits home for you. Now now none of us would would find ourselves in Genesis 34, the story is, is horrific and and we've never been in those types of situations but every one of us if we were honest with ourselves have wandered from the lord haven't we you you look up one day and you realize that you know god's kind of over here and and here i am and i'm no longer in his will and so we're going to see this account it's it's an interesting account to me where god says to jacob listen enough is enough (laughs) It's been all these years you've been away from me. It's kind of this roller coaster ride of good, right? You do the right thing and then you sin and you repent and then you come back and you do good and then you fall away. And it's kind of like the life that we live. And God says, listen, I've had enough of that, Jacob. We've done all these things. You've had all these problems. It's time for you to now come home. And I want you to notice how he does it in verse 1 because it's fascinating the way he 
speaks to Jacob here. Genesis 35.1. Pull that back up if you would. God says to Jacob, go to Bethel and settle there. Now, let's just remember, let's tie this together, right? Let's make these connections from Genesis chapter 28. You may remember the story of Jacob after he lies to his father. Remember, he dresses up and puts the hair on. He acts like his brother. He steals the birthright, the blessing from his father. He lies to his brother. His brother threatens to kill him and he flees for his life. We studied this several weeks ago. And as he's running, he finds this place in the wilderness. He uses this stone as a rock. You remember the story? And the Bible tells us in Genesis 28 that the Lord appears to him in a ladder, kind of the stairway to heaven. We talk about that. Angels going up, angels coming down. God is at the top. And it's at that moment in Genesis 28 that God, for the very first time, encourages Jacob and promises him the same thing he's promised to Abraham and Isaac. So this is important. Genesis 28 at Bethel, this is the same place, is the first time that Jacob is really going to encounter the Lord. It's the first time the Lord has spoken to him. It's the first time the Lord has kind of revealed his plans. It's the first time the Lord has kind of promised him this blessing. And Jacob's going to build this altar of worship to the Lord. It's kind of like this is kind of the spiritual home, so to speak, for Jacob. And I just wonder how many of us in our lives kind of have this thought. Maybe, maybe you've had this thought before. You think, I'm just afraid I'm going to run into this. I'm going to move it. Sorry. You've had this thought before that, you know, maybe I, I, I've kind of strayed from the Lord, but, but I remember this time, and I've thought this. I've had this thought in my mind. You kind of remember this time when you were close with the Lord. You ever done that? And you say, you know, there, there was this... There was this moment in my life, and maybe it was when I was younger or in college or last year or last month, or you fill in the blank for your life, but there was this moment where you felt like you were a lot closer and you were in the Word and you were praying. That's kind of that's your spiritual home, and you kind of desire to be back there. You understand that? And sometimes you wonder to yourself, what's it going to take for me to get back to that place? Here's what God's saying to Jacob. Jacob, you've wandered, you've strayed from me, you've sinned, you've done all these things. You've, you've kind of got a lifetime of, of coming and going and coming and going. I'm calling you home. So let's understand this is going to be important because God is saying to Jacob, look, here you are now, you sinful, I'm, I'm calling you to this place over here. If we just think about a visual, right? Jacob is here, God's saying, I'm calling you to here. But this is important, this is critical, we're going to see this in a second. It's what lies in the middle that's so important for us. It's not just about the calling in our lives. It's not just about the destination in our lives. Those are both very important, but it's the journey to get there. Sometimes it throws us off, isn't it? We probably all have a desire to get closer to the Lord. But what we do from that initial calling until we reach our destination is vitally important. And I believe far too many Christians miss it. So let's see what Jacob does, verse 2 of Genesis 35. So Jacob, right, the Lord's called him to this destination. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, right, he's making this kind of blanket statement to his camp, get rid of the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. Now, I believe that this is foundational to our, to our understanding of this journey. So if you're taking notes and trying to kind of think through this in your life, verse 2 is awfully important. We'll get back there in just a second. Then come, let us go to Bethel. 
where I will build an altar to God who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods I had and the rings in their ears, and Jacob buried them under the oak at Shechem, right? He doesn't just kind of put them in the back room or put them in the back of the truck. He's getting rid of them completely. We're going to bury these things, verse 5. Then they set out, and watch this. Here's how the Lord works. And the terror of God fell on the towns all around them so that no one pursue them, right? When we, when we begin to trust the Lord, God goes before us. Here's truth number two. Jacob had to confront sin in order to renew his faith. Jacob had to confront sin in order to renew his faith. Now, I just want you to get the big picture. I don't, I don't want you to miss what's going on. God says you're here, and you feel your, feel your, let's just use my name. Adam, you're here. This is where you are right now. God says, I'm calling you, Adam, to be here. Okay, I want you to go from here to here. But before you go from here to here, you've got to deal with some things that are here. God says to Jacob, listen, there are all these false idols. There are all these things in your life. There are all these things that are keeping you from me. You need to get rid of those things. Now, when you go to South Asia, you probably saw some of these on the video. You see false idols everywhere. It's just very common for them. In fact, they estimate that there are 330 million. That's an M. I didn't mess that up. 330 million false gods there. Every family has a god, their own little god. Every village, their communities, little gods within the communities. And so it's very common for you to walk down the street and see literally a tree with an idol box built into it, a little temple, just a small little temple with a little idol and some flowers and maybe food and a candle. You see that on on every shop hanging from the ceiling. You see it in every home. I mean, you are literally surrounded by idols. It's very customary over there and in Old Testament times to have these false gods that are worshipped literally every moment of every day. Now, when you see that, your Western Christian mindset kind of hollers out against that. How in the world, we might say, how in the world can these these people worship these idols? It's silly to us. We laugh. It's laughable. I mean, they got this little silly idol in a box over here, and they go over and they give it some flowers and food, and they say some sort of prayer and light some candles, and we, we laugh at the absurdity of these false idols in the lives of these people. And then we begin to examine our own lives. You see where I'm going here? Now, I don't think anybody in this room has a false idol in their house. I bet if I came and walked through your house, I wouldn't see any little false idol boxes with little things you use to worship those idols. We don't do that in America. But you know what we do instead? We take all sorts of other false gods and false idols and we put them ahead of the things of the Lord. Maybe for some of you, that's your career. You say, how do I know if my job or my career is coming ahead of the things of the Lord? It's very simple. If you make decisions in your life based on your career choice or your job as opposed to what the Lord calls you to do, then that's an idol. If you struggle with kind of climbing the corporate ladder and you struggle with the career and you always want to do more and more and you do that instead of seeking the truth of the Lord, that's an idol for you. 
Maybe material possessions are an idol for you. Maybe a nicer car or a bigger house or nicer, nicer clothing or bigger TVs or you fill in the blank. If you're making decisions in your life to gain those things instead of gaining the, the trust of the Lord and the love of the Lord and seeking the Lord, then those things are idols for you. Maybe recreation is an idol for you. It's amazing to me, and again, I'm talking as, as kind of one of you guys, but it's very easy in our world, if we're not careful, to get kind of caught up in entertainment, isn't it? You ever thought about the decisions you make based on entertainment? The decisions you make based on what you want to do, right? If you're making decisions based on how to make yourself happy and leisure and recreation over the things of the Lord, then that's an idol for you very easy for us to find time to surf the web or go to the lake house or go shopping or hunt or go play sports and I'm not saying any of those things are bad but if those things begin to drive you if you begin to make decisions to do these things instead of to worship the Lord that's a problem those are idols in your life some of you are processing, well, okay, yeah, I mean, I, maybe, maybe that's true. I hadn't really thought about it quite like that. What do I need to do about it? Well, I want you to notice what Jacob does. Look again at verse 2. Pull that up for me if you would, please. It's just this clear pattern. So Jacob says to his household, all those who are with him, get rid of the foreign gods. And by the way, you can fill in the blank there. That can mean whatever it wants to you. Recreation, material, jobs, selfishness, you feel whatever idols you're, get rid of those things you have with you and then purify yourselves and change your clothing. So two kind of real, real clear things here. here. Here's what the Lord says. Here's the first thing you need to do. He says the first thing you need to do with these idols and these false gods is you need to recognize them. Let's call them what they are. So here, here's what Jacob doesn't do. Jacob doesn't say, oh, you know those really pretty statues you guys have that are ornate and have the flowers and they're kind of covered in gold and they're very beautiful and you use them to decorate the tables. Let's get those things. Jacob says, listen, we've got false idols and false gods. We need to get these things and get rid of them. I think the first step for a lot of believers in this journey from where they are to renewal in Christ, dealing with their false idols, is to actually recognize them for what they are. Let's at least be honest. If you're so tied up in your career or material things or baseball or dance or shopping or hunting or what you feel in the, if you're so tied in with those things that you can't even find time to worship the Lord or spend time in his word or pray or lead your family properly, those are idols. Let's at least call them what they are. Let's begin there. Okay, Lord, so I've got this issue. I'm, you're right. I'm here, Lord, and I do want to deepen my walk, and I've I, I never really been able to figure out why I can't quite deepen it. It's because we've got these things in our lives that we're not dealing with. Let's call them what they are. That's the first thing. Recognize them. Look at the second thing he does. The second thing Jacob does with these idols is he gets rid of them. Number two, we need to purify ourselves. That means we need to confess our sins to the Lord. So once you kind of come to the realization that these things, whatever they are, are keeping you from the Lord and you recognize them and you call them what they are, the second thing you need to begin to do is to get rid of them and confess your sin to the Lord. I think this is where far too many believers kind of miss the point here. 
Biblically, we can, we, can, we can make this claim all through Scripture that our sin separates us from the Lord, period. We see that time and time and time again. And yet we kind of come to this place in our lives where we want to get back to the Lord. We've, we've walked away from the Lord and we can't quite figure out why. Listen, now let me just be blunt with you. If you find yourself away from the Lord, it's not because he moved or did anything wrong. You understand that? It's because for whatever reason you've wandered. And if you really want to get back and you really want to renew yourself, you need to begin with a place of recognizing the sin that has pulled you from the Lord, repenting of that sin, and then getting rid of it. Jacob didn't say, listen, let's keep some of the idols just for the weekend. We won't use them during the week, right? We'll set aside. This will be family time. We'll do the right thing. But, but on a certain day, we're going to pull this idol back out. We're going to have a great... That's not what he says. He doesn't say, let's pack it in a bag because we may need it later, somewhere down the road, right? Let's just kind of hide it for now. And then it, if we ever need it, we'll get it back. He says, listen, you need to get rid of these things. Give them to me. I'm going to bury them under the tree and then leave them forever. I just wonder how many of those little things in our lives, how many of those little idols, those little false gods kind of creep in and they kind of hang on. And we, we want to kind of just maybe put them aside for a little while, but we want to keep them in our back pocket in case we need them later, right? <laughs> or we may think we can deal with it for a little while and then we're going to get them back out. That's not what the Lord says. God says you need to recognize these idols. You need to set them aside. You need to repent and you need to move on. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I spoke just a few minutes ago about the marriage conference from last weekend. It was a great conference. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Teaching was great. The location was great. Just a fantastic weekend. One of the things they did during the weekend is they had these giveaways where they gave away a lot of different books. And I got a book from Tim Keller. I like Tim Keller. If you've never read Tim Keller, you should read something by Tim Keller. And the book I got was on marriage, and so I started reading it last week. And he kind of hammers this point home, this, this idea, and he's talking kind of about sin in the marriage and issues in the marriage. And what he basically says is, in this book, he says there, there's not really a marriage problem. There are no marriage problems. There are heart problems. He says that. So the idea is, if, if you've got a problem in your marriage, it's not really the marriage's fault, it's your fault. And the thing he kind of harps on, and it kind of hit me square between the eyes, is we're just too selfish in our marriage, aren't we? If, if we were just kind of gut-level honest with ourselves and maybe with each other, we'd say, you know, sometimes I'm just really selfish within our marriage. Now, some of you, I'm, I'm going to read your minds. You ready for this? I'm going to read your minds. You ready? Some of your husbands are thinking, I sure hope my wife is listening. Some of the wives are thinking, I sure hope my husband is listening. Let me just clue you in. I'm talking to you, not your husband or your wife. Because I promise you one thing, as I was reading this book, he was speaking to me. It's funny, too, because you can, you can talk about being unselfish a lot. You can kind of theorize about what that might look like. But when you're sitting there reading the book about being unselfish and your wife calls, hey, honey, can you come take out the trash? <laughs> well, I'd like to sit here and continue to read this book. But yes, my love, I would love to come serve you and take out the trash. One thing to say it is another thing to do it, right? We have idols in our lives. In our marriages, in our jobs, in our 
social settings. There, there are all sorts of things that keep us from the Lord. We need to recognize them, repent of them, set them aside. I'm going to promise you something. You're never going to deepen your walk in Christ with sin in your life, period. It's impossible. Now, let's continue verse 6. So Jacob and all the people with him came to Luz, that is Bethel in the land of Canaan. So again, big picture, right? God has called him. He's got a destination. He's on the journey. In order to make that journey, he's had to do away with the false idols. He's had to literally confront the sin in his life and the life of his family, do away with it, bury it. And when he did that, he's now able to move forward in the will of God. He arrives at Bethel, the land of Canaan. Now verse 7, there he built an altar. And he called the place El Bethel because it was there that God revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. Remember, that's Genesis 28. He's already been here. He's returning home. This is his kind of spiritual return. Now Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died and was buried under the oak outside Bethel. So it was named Alon Bakuth. After Jacob returned from Padan Aram, God appeared to him again and blessed him. God said to him, your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. Now, now pause just for a second. Some of you are thinking, now wait a minute. Didn't we last week talk about God changing the name of Jacob? Yes. You're saying, okay, now you taught us that that was over 10 years ago. Is that true? Yes. Why is God doing it again now? It's very simple. Because people forget. You understand that? Some, sometimes we forget who we are in the Lord. You ever thought about that? Sometimes we forget our place in Christ. Sometimes we forget our calling. Sometimes we forget where we've come from in Christ. Sometimes we forget where we're going. Sometimes we just don't remember. And sometimes the Lord's just got to kind of remind us in the process. Verse 11. And so God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you. Kings will be among your descendants. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I also give to you. And I will give this land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him at the place where he had talked with him. And Jacob set a pillar at the place where God had talked with him. He poured out a drink offering on it. And he also poured oil on it. And Jacob called the place where God had talked with him. Bethel. Here's truth number three. Right? We've seen the calling. We've seen the journey and the process of putting away the sin and the selfishness. Truth number three. Jacob renews his faith and is reminded of the promises of the Lord. Jacob renews his faith and is reminded of the promises of the Lord. Even if we stray from the Lord, we can still renew our faith. I think somebody needs to hear that this morning. It's very easy for us to kind of fall into this trap of thinking, you know, I'm never going to get back to where I was. Maybe there was a moment when I was seeking the Lord and trusting and really just walking in faith and trust, and I've just done some things to get away from that. I'm never going to be able to get back to that place. That's a lie. You need to understand that. Biblically, that's a lie. Some of you would say, listen, I, I know that there are things I need to do. I think the Lord's called me to do some things, but I've just got so much junk in my life, so much sin. I just don't think I can get past those things. That's a lie. Just very clearly, that's a lie. God says, I've called you. I've got a destination. The journey may be difficult, but if you'll trust me, if you'll confront your sin, if you'll follow me, then as we walk together, I'll get you back to that place. 
Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 will be very familiar to some of you. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the, what, renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul understands in Romans that it's difficult for us in this world. He understands that the world is going to kind of try to swallow us up and try to get us to do what it wants to do, and it wants us to conform to the patterns of the world. Paul says, listen, don't conform. We know that's going to be a pull and a draw for you and difficult, but don't conform. Instead, renew. Instead, remember the teachings of Christ. Remember all that he's done for you. Some of you say, I'm just not sure I can renew my faith. I've come so far. Listen to how one scholar explained it. I think he sums it up nicely. Spiritual failure does not disqualify us from the spiritual journey. In fact, Genesis 35 encourages us to mount a spiritual ascent on the heels of spiritual failure. If we do so, we'll have plenty of company. A church full of men and women who identify with Jacob and his failure. See, God says, I've got this plan for you. I've got this destination you need to reach. And if you're going to get there, you're going to have to trust me and seek me. But when you put aside the things of the world and you repent of your sinfulness and you trust me, I'm going to reveal myself again to you. That's exactly what he does to Jacob. See, when Jacob arrives again in Bethel, God reminds him of the promises. God reminds him of his faithfulness. God's going to remind him that he's going to do great things through him. Verse 11, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and increase in number. Right? And by the way, that's a tie-in. Bring verse 11 back up. That's a tie-in to Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Remember the command of Adam and Eve? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Right? It's a, it, we're tying this together. God from the beginning has had a plan that his people would trust him, would follow him, would make his glory known to the nations. It's gone through Adam and Eve now. It's gone through Noah. It's gone through Abraham, Isaac, now through Jacob. I'm going to use you, right? Be fruitful. Increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you. Kings will be among your descendants. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac I'll also give to you, and I will give this land to your descendants after you God says Jacob you've done some pretty dumb things in your life you've stepped away from me on a number of occasions but even in the midst of your sinfulness I still love you I still want to use you and if you'll follow me I'll do great things through you some of you came this morning and you probably didn't phrase it quite like this but the more you think about it maybe you're in need of spiritual renewal Maybe you're here and you want to be here and you say, I'm just not quite sure what I need to do in here. I just want to encourage you as as we study through this and as we pray through this and as we think through this that the Lord will use you. The Lord says, listen, I, I know you're desiring to walk in your faith with me, but why don't you begin by taking a look at the idols that are keeping you from getting there? Why don't you begin with all the things that you've done and placed in your life that separate you from me recognize those things, repent of those things, I will remind you of my promises, and then through you, I'm gonna do great things. See, all we've gotta do in the process is trust the Lord. And when he does that, amazing things happen. Let me pray.
Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the clear teaching of scripture, Father. Thank you that we can learn from this man who's made so many mistakes. He's failed on so many different levels, Father. And from a human standpoint, Father, there's no real reason for you to use him, but you don't operate on a human scale, Lord. You don't look at the outside, you look at a man's heart and thank God for that. Thank you for that. So, Father, I pray that we would just take the truth, apply it to our lives, Father, understanding the call you've given every one of us, understanding the destination for every one of us, understanding that in the middle of that journey, there are things that keep us from you, false idols, Lord, false gods, walls that we put up to keep us from deepening our faith. Father, help us to see those things, to understand what they are, to recognize them very, very clearly. And then to set them aside, Father, to to literally bury them and to move forward trusting you. And then, Lord, I pray when we do that, you would just open the eyes of our hearts to see exactly what you've called us to do and who you've called us to be so we can fulfill our destiny in you. May your name be glorified in all the earth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can stand. We're going to partake of the Lord's Supper in just a few minutes. We're going to read some scripture that help us understand what that is. But before we do that, we're going to give you an opportunity for invitation. The altar is open for prayer. I can talk to you about salvation and repentance. I can talk to you about joining this church. But this is your time to respond to the Lord as we sing together. You come. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.